Welcome to the Equilibrium Effect, where nothing is off limits. Welcome to episode two. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for our second episode. Today, we're going to be tackling a little bit more serious topics that have been the news highlights recently. So we're going to talk about the different police shootings and killings that have happened, voting rights and all the legislation that has come along with that. And then we'll end with talking about the different mass shootings and gun reform. So, oh, go ahead. Nothing, nothing. I was just going to say that 2021 is turning out to be just as bad as 2020. (laughs) It really has. And we're not even barely into the first quarter of the whole year. Um, So we're going to start talking about the different police killings. And I know you haven't found it as interesting as I have, but the biggest one that's been on everybody's minds recently is the George Floyd um, trial of Derek Chauvin for his killing. And with that, that wasn't a police shooting. That was a a police choke out to death. Yeah, I think that one's a little bit different compared to the other ones we're going to talk about. But yeah, so we're going to start with the police shootings. um, No, let's talk about George Floyd first, because that's the most popular one that everybody's been talking about. Um, So it's been three weeks, I think, that the trial's been going on. And the prosecution brought over like 30 different witnesses to talk about. And I know you haven't found it as interesting, but to me with my background. Because he's guilty. I know that it seems simple, but (laughs) with neither of us having a legal background, to me it's been really interesting because they're actually televising the whole trial. And you think about like since we've actually been of age to watch this kind of stuff, this is the first trial that's been really big that they've like publicized everything oh Um, wait no oj but we were young then not old enough well i didn't grow up watching that i don't know if you did but i was too young at that point i was young but i think everyone understood what was going on i guess yeah but this since then that's what now almost 30 years ago because that was the early 90s yeah i guess i guess um So it's been a long time since we've had like a big trial like this that everybody's paid attention to and talked about. Um, And what I found interesting is the way that they've set up the different arguments. So the with my background, I really enjoyed all the medical. um, Enjoyed. Hold on a minute. I enjoyed hearing the way that they like bring their argument about because we all know like we feel a certain way. And so. To me, it's been very succinct and clear cut because to me, that's like you can't argue with science and medical background and evidence that they're proposing. Oh, yeah. The defense (laughs) is trying, boy. Yeah, but that's the thing. He's throwing out all this like hypothetical stuff that to me, it's like, okay, A, that didn't even happen. That's not what even happened in this case. So (laughs) how can you like use that to justify? Like clearly that's not even what happened. And then B, like the what the prosecution knew he was going to try and do, they've already brought medical experts in to say, no, it doesn't work like that. Right. So to me, that was the interesting part. Yeah. He definitely tried to make it seem like there could be some other possible way he died besides a knee on his neck for what? How many minutes? Nine minutes and 29 seconds. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's a contributing factor. And, like, how does the law work in Minnesota? It just has to be a contributing factor, right? Yes, so it it just has to be, like, the primary, like, the main reason why or, like, a substantial. Right. And, I mean, they've already established that drugs didn't really play a big part in it because he wasn't, like, it wasn't a clear overdose. Right, and that's the thing that was interesting to me is, like, he, with the defense attorney would throw that out there, but it's, like, from a medical side like he didn't exhibit those symptoms he wasn't like in a coma asleep like passed out and they had one of the um experts show like his levels were equivalent to what people that get convicted of duis have so like clearly people were functioning at those levels well to me when i did look at some of it it seemed like he already had his defense and he could not adjust so he just stuck with whatever the hell he had planned no matter if it seemed to be like weird and like didn't make sense right based off of the prosecution's witnesses he continued to stick with the story which again made no sense but i guess it's kind of hard to defend somebody when it's so public and there's literally a video in your eyes your eyes don't lie this i I don't understand eyes don't lie but i guess everyone has a right to a defense attorney and (laughs) anyways go ahead yeah i think everybody acknowledges that that he's been like has been on going up an uphill battle this whole time like it's oh yeah hard to really justify and then like he was trying to blame it on the cardiac issues it's like he's what how old was george floyd he was in his 40s or 50s something like that yeah it's like 80 percent of this country has high blood pressure and atherosclerotic heart disease like George Floyd was no different than a majority of our population and right. everybody's walking around normal. So it was just interesting to see him try and see what sticks. Um, yeah, he definitely was throwing stuff at the wall. And I mean, I guess his job, that's his job, right? Is to sow doubt. Not to prove any of this stuff, but just to put doubt in one juror's mind. Because what, they had to come to a, a majority decision? Yep. On unanimous decision. Unanimous. So... So I think that'll be the piece is did he create that environment? But the prosecution really ended with like, use your common sense, like your eyes don't lie. And they had so much factual testimony. I feel like it's hard to really. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard to uh, being that this was like worldwide and it affected so many people. I don't know. I expect a guilty verdict. What do you what do you? I do, but I think the interesting thing will be is like, so they set it up where it's second degree murder, third degree murder, and second degree manslaughter. And they can convict him of all of them or one of them or none of them. They basically can pick and choose. And so I feel like people, if they, even if they convict him of second degree manslaughter, I don't think people will be happy no. with that. Because I think that's the lesser of all the charges, mm-hmm. right? But okay, one thing that annoyed me was. His defense of, well, he felt he was in fear of his life. He felt threatened. And, like, how the hell do you feel threatened when you have your hands in your pocket? Right. And your knee on somebody's neck. And you have two other police officers helping you hold someone down. Right. I just, I never quite understood that. How can you say I felt in fear of my life when your hands are in your pocket? That's not a defensive stance. Yeah. So um defensive stance or what aggressive stance or whatever whatever you want to call it but i don't understand how can you be in fear of your life when your hands are in your pocket 
right? Like you're not alert, like prepared right. if somebody, if something happens. Right. And I think that that's um, one of the biggest things that they tried to point out. Like it does, it's not that difficult. Like there was literally a nine-year-old girl there that was like, why are you not getting off of him? Like it doesn't take some educated person to be able to see that. And the defense attorney kept trying to focus on everything that had happened before and why he felt like he was in fear of his life. But it's like, that doesn't excuse the nine minutes. Right. That I think he was, I think he was, uh, uh, I don't know. I think he was captivated in a moment for some reason. Yeah. And like he was even nonchalant in the way he was responding to George Floyd. Like the, I think that's the thing that bothered me the most was like, Every time he kept saying he couldn't breathe, he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I get it. Like, I mean, I you even see that in the hospital with people with drug abuse issues. Like, they lie and try and manipulate situations. But it was like he repeated that over and over and over and over again. And he's yeah. just like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. So here's a question. Do you think he, in, he intended to kill George Floyd? Or do you think that's just, I guess, the outcome of, what was going on? Mm. I don't know that he went into the situation intending to do it. Yeah. Um, but I think once he was there and then the, you have the crowd and everything like that, I think he just didn't stop. <laughs> and that's what everybody. Yeah. I think what's going to be hard to prove is that he went into it wanting to kill George Floyd because that's what I think. Is that how you prove the the higher charge? Um, that his intentions yes. was to kill George Floyd? Well, it's not even kill. It's just a harm. To harm? Yeah. Oh, okay. So then, like, obviously, that's the point that the prosecution kept focusing on was, like, you had multiple opportunities, multiple people telling you to stop because he wasn't breathing anymore and he wasn't resisting anymore and he still chose to not change his actions. So I think that's the part that... Yeah, well... I think the longer it takes, I think the uh, the more likely it is he's not going to get charged with that 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 high high charge. What is it? What is the three charges again? Second degree murder, third degree murder, and second degree manslaughter. So second degree murder is the highest charge. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think if it takes all week for them to um, to come to a, a a guilty verdict or any type of verdict, I don't know if he's going to get charged with that first one. Second degree. Yeah, but I think it it's like a catch-22 because I also feel like if the jury, like if they come out and they're done tomorrow, then I feel like that would give him more justification for an appeal to say, oh, they didn't, they weren't actually thoughtful in coming to a verdict. Or you can say the prosecution was so persuasive and um, the evidence was so overwhelming that it was a no-brainer. I, I Which, get that. in my opinion, it's a no-brainer. I mean, take the video. I mean, I don't. You can't take the video out of it, but right. the video, all of the medical evidence, it's kind of hard to sit here and say whether well, there could have been something else that killed this man. Right. Because and he didn't have an overwhelming amount of fentanyl, like they were trying to say. He, I mean, there was no overdose. He may have been high. He could have right. been to potentially high, but. That's not what killed him. He didn't die from a heart attack. Right. He died from 
what everybody saw in the video. Yeah. But anyways. And then I think that's the interesting piece too, is the defense attorney's already trying to set it up for appeal. Like I was telling you yesterday, after they finished their closing arguments, he was already trying to talk about all the publicity and how he felt like everybody, the jury should have been quarantined from or sequestered from the beginning. And it's like in today's society, like you can't stop them from talking to their family members. Like with everybody's smartphones and the accessibility of everything. Like it's not the same thing that it meant like 30 years ago. Yeah. But yeah, I understand that, but they've done it for high profile cases. Yeah. This is a high profile case. So I can understand, like, I honestly do feel like they should have been sequestered, like made to stay in one spot. Can't watch TV. Can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see. Um, Because that can persuade one way or another. I mean, it can yeah, but everybody's seen the video. I know. <laughs> but the bottom line is there's nothing you can say. He did it. Yeah. He killed the man. That's it. Yep. He should be found guilty. If I was on that trial or jury, it would be second degree murder. Yeah. Whatever I, the highest charge is, that's what I'm charging him with. Yeah. Because enough is enough with all this nonsense, but... And that's kind of what we've talked about. Like, even if, um, like, police, being a police officer historically has been a way to get out of having any accountability. Yeah. Um, so even if he didn't ultimately, like, want that to be the outcome, he still needs to be held accountable for killing someone. Yeah. I mean, he got caught up in the moment for sure. And so that brings us to our next one, which is the Duante Wright case. And that's the one that's in Brooklyn Center that I think he was 20 and they had pulled him over. Yeah, um, 20, 21, right? Yeah. yeah um, for a traffic stop. Um, but he had like a misdemeanor warrant, warrant out for him or something. Yeah. Um, so the police officer had, they were tr- trying to take him in and then he got back in the car and ran away. And then the police officer that's like 26 years on the force like accidentally shot him and that's another one where we have the body cam footage to be able to kind of see what's happened yeah. and at least it seemed like based off of her reaction it was genuine that she didn't intend for that to happen um it seemed like an accident for sure yeah but damn that's a costly accident that is an accident that you should lose your job over if you can have an accident in a regular job and lose your job, <laughs> man. Being a police officer and taking someone's life as an accident—damn, that's a big price to pay. That, and I, th- but I think like she did the right thing. She resigned. <clears throat> like to me, I, f- which I, I feel like that hasn't made anybody else happy because they're obviously still protests and everything. Yeah. But that's a damn. That's a terrible accident. Like I feel bad for all parties. When it comes to this, I feel bad for everybody. Yeah. Because it's one hell of a price to pay pay for an accident. Right. Losing your life. Right. But, you know, damn, it was an accident. Right. And we and, talked about that. She's gonna have to live with that oh, for the man. rest of her life. Yeah. Um but someone had someone died though, so it's like how do we look at this? I don't I don't know how to look at it. Like, to me clearly it was an accident, but that doesn't excuse the fact that it happened. Right. And it's still murder. Right. So I, I don't know. I just don't know how to look at this one. It's definitely murder. But I don't think she'll ever, I don't think she'll get a charge like this. Show, was Chauvin? Yeah, Chauvin. I don't think she'll get a charge like this. I don't think it's going to be this high profile like 
the uh, George Floyd case is. Um, but uh, man, I'm I'm just asking myself, why the hell did he run? I know people are gonna say, well, that shouldn't that doesn't excuse the fact that he he was shot. I understand that, but knowing that, like, just putting myself in that situation. Why would I, why would I, knowing that tensions are high between police and citizens right now. And it's like literally like 15 minutes down the road from where the Derek Chauvin case is happening. Right. But I just don't quite understand where the hell did he think he was going. Right. You and got to two, get away. two police officers right there. Right. Right next to you. Right. And you jump in the car. You have to put yourself in a police officer's shoes. I'm scared. Right. I literally will be afraid. You pull away from me after we're putting you in handcuffs and jump in your car. And I don't know what's in your car. I don't know what's in your car. And we can dismiss the whole misdemeanor warrant thing. You jumped back in your car. And through all the chaos and like that's the problem that I'm having. Yes, he's a victim. He, He got shot and he passed away. But when are we going to say, hey, well, he kind of contributed to his death. Right. And have some accountability from that. Let's be up. Yeah. Let's be upset when someone dies and they didn't contribute to their death. George Floyd. I get it. Like, that's different to me. Like, I don't feel like he contributed to his death because there was no reason to be on his neck for that long. Right. And that's like not a split second decision. That was nine minutes versus this situation. It was a split second decision because he's trying to get away. Yes. And and it just pisses me off when you have so many of these people sit here and say, well, why did he have to result to, to, to just uh, killing people or deadly force? Like, are you a police officer? I can't imagine being a police officer. Like, I literally just watched a video of a normal everyday traffic stop. And this crazy man in this truck, I showed you the video. Yeah. Well, he pulls out a long gun and shoots the police officer in the head. That is a possibility. And like literally when all this was going on, it was in Georgia and there was that high speed chase. Right. They tried to pull the people over and these people had a long gun, I guess a rifle shooting at the police. So I I just don't get it. It's like people are so blinded, I guess, by their anger that a police officer shot another person or a black person or a person of color. They don't even take into consideration how hard. Uh, the job is like these are split second decisions George Floyd again was not a split second decision that was I thought about this for eight nine minutes and I'm gonna keep my knee on your neck right that's different but it's just hard for me to be on to be on the side of people when you made the decision to put yourself in a compromised position right because of your own actions right I would much rather just go to fucking jail right and I don't mean to curse, but I would much rather go to jail and deal with this through the court system, no matter if it's just or not, than pull away, scare a police officer when tensions are high. Because I, I that's like not being in tune with your environment and the, 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 the world right now, in my opinion, to do something that silly over a misdemeanor felony. Right. And he was literally on the phone with his mom to try and get insurance info. Like, I think that whoever was in the car with him was like on the phone. So it's like, you know, you're okay. He's 20 years old and still like relying on his mom. Like she's going to bail him out of jail and stuff like that. Like, but yeah, I I don't know how I feel about that one. Like, 
she clearly killed him. It appears to be an accident. I'm frustrated that he pulled away and ran back into the car. I would have been like, I would have been okay with him just running. Right. Leave the car. <laughs> get the hell away from the car. Right. Because, because then if they shoot you in the back, we talking about a whole different story. Right. Because they knew you didn't have a weapon when right. you were running. I mean, they already had you in handcuffs. I mean, to imagine they probably haven't pat you down by that point, then that's bad on the police officers. Yeah. But to go back to the car, I'm just like, damn. Yeah. I would be afraid if I was a police officer. Right. My gun would be my. I'm surprised they didn't draw their guns then. Right. And actually, instead of the taser, like yeah. she was, or it seems like she was trying. Right. So it's like to me, it's like they try. I feel like they, they were aware, of the, uh, I guess the atmosphere and the, the stigma around police right now, uh, being the overly aggressive. Right. So like the first to me when I look at it, I'm like, well, the first instinct was not to pull the gun. Right. Because no one pulled their gun. She thought she was pulling her taser, which, again, is a deadly ass mistake that she should pay for. Right. She should lose her job. Yes. She should serve some type of. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's probation. I don't know if it's jail time, prison time. Someone lost Just their life. Some accountability, whatever. Yeah, there that has to be like. accountability. Right. Um, but. Now the last one we have to talk about is Adam Toledo. And I think oh. this is the one that you and I both feel like is just, there's so many things wrong with this one. So this was the 13 year old <laughs> in Chicago that was out at like two in the morning. The police were called because they have these like camera, the like sensing shot, like these things that can sense gunshots. Yeah. So the police were called to that area um, because there were gunshots mm -hmm. and the 13 year old Adam had a gun. And then when the cops told him to turn around, he tossed the gun is what the video looks like. Cause it was literally in the fence behind, but the police officer still thought that he had the gun and shot him. Yeah. And to me, this was, again, they literally said on TV, they had to slow down the video right. to, for you to be able to see that he didn't have the gun anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's like another split second decision. Yeah. And Chicago is one of the most dangerous places to live, right? There are certain parts of Chicago that are extremely da dangerous. And to me, like we discussed, like, why is a 13-year-old out at 2 o'clock in the morning? Right. I'm sorry, but my 13-year-old is not going to anyone's house. At 2 in the morning. At 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, was it was this during a school? You, school like, I, don't, I can't remember when this happened. Was it the weekend or the weekday? I can't remember yeah. either. But that's regardless. My thing. my thing is I feel like it was justified. I, I can't get with this fake outcry of he was an innocent boy. He was not innocent. Who why was he out at two o'clock in the morning? Nothing good happens at two o'clock. We all know that. Right. He had a gun. So it's like they were using equivalent force basically of what right. was in the situation. So yeah, again, as a police officer. I can't begin to imagine and none of these people that are out here protesting can begin to imagine what it's like being a police officer. So, you know, the first instinct is to protest and do all this stuff, but you forget all the facts. 13 year old out at two o'clock in the morning, shooting a gun or around someone shooting a gun. With so gang either, members yeah, or something. I don't know if it, I don't think they said it was gang. I don't know if they said it was gang related, but in the video, it shows them shooting at a car. Right. If you have that, if you don't care about life that much, 
Like, that's what's going through my head. You don't give a damn about nobody's life because you're shooting at a car. Yeah. So as a police going into that, shots fired, you clearly don't care about life if you're shooting in a public area, could in a well-populated someone. area like Chicago. That could hurt that, somebody. Yeah, that could hurt somebody. That could kill someone. And yet, and still, you want me to come in there with sympathy. No, I want to go home. Yep. And that, like, that's what I feel like people are missing. Police officers are, police officers are humans, too. Are there some terrible ones out there that don't give a damn about anybody? Yes. But do I feel like this man, it was a man, right? Mm-hmm. A police officer. Do I feel like this man wanted to kill this young man on purpose? No. Do I feel like that is a legitimate, I fear for my life because you, I know you have a gun? Yes. And of all the different scenarios, he immediately came out and apologized. So again, it's not like he's going to have to live with that. Like he didn't go into the situation knowing he was 13. Right. He knows now that he killed somebody and it was a child. Exactly. We know now that he's 13. But I was a big, damn, a big 13 year old boy. And again, I know it doesn't matter how tall and how buff someone is. But when you look like an adult and you have a gun, I'm going to assume you have an adult when I'm making, I mean, I'm going to assume you're, you are an adult when I have to make a split decision, split, you know, a split second decision. That's literally what that was. Yeah. And this fake ass outcry, like this situation makes me mad because now we want to protest and break stuff and destroy stuff when Chicago is one of the worst places for gun violence. And it's funny because the, um, who was it? I don't know if it was the police. Yeah, it was the police chief. Did you see that? Where they were interviewing him on a live TV and he got a phone call and he took it and the reporters got mad. Oh, so you're just going to take the phone call and you could see that that police officer got mad. The chief. Yeah. It was a three year old girl that just got shot. And he and, and he made a good point. He said, it's just funny how all you people care about is when a police is involved in a shooting. Right. But I'm sitting here t- having a conversation about yeah, a three-year-old. Yeah, and you could see the man clearly visibly shaken by a three-year-old being shot. And I, th- I don't know if the three-year-old passed away. But then again, there's a 13-year-old little uh, a child girl that died this past weekend. Right, because a 12-year-old had shot out at her birthday party. It was a birthday party or something, It was right? something, yeah. But anyways, what the chief said was, you guys don't cover none of this other stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, you damn right. They don't cover... None of this other stuff, other stuff, it makes local news, but it never makes national news. Right. And that's what annoys me. Let's point out all this crap that's going on in Chicago with the gangs and all this other stuff and all of the the random ass victims that get shot. I mean, kids getting shot and killed, innocent bystanders. Right. Let's, let's, where's the public outcry, outcry for that? Right. We're talking about literally a 13 year old child that had a gun. That threw the gun behind the fence right. and, and a police officer had to decide it's either my life or yours. Yep. And I have a family just like you. I'm trying to uphold the law while you're breaking the law at two o'clock in the morning. Well, and that's what we talked about. Like, I think it was with the George Floyd stuff or no, it was with the Brooklyn Center stuff, how people are like, you know, the their police force is like 80 percent white and their community is like. 30 30 30 split between it's a more of a mixed ratio then who i'm sorry to cut you off but who fault is that yeah if there's black people in this community and you want someone to serve your community that's in your community 
Why how about we promote police? people going from that community to go to the police department? Right. I don't understand the big deal. Why are we blaming white people for wanting to be police officers? Right. I'm sorry, community. Get your shit together and, and say, hey, let's, let's make being a police officer cool. Right. Everyone hates the police, so nobody wants to be a police officer. So when the only culture or race that wants to be police officers because they want people to be safe are white people, why do we get mad at that? Right. Why do you not want your whole your community safe so you encourage your youth to go be police officers and come back to the community? I don't understand this. Well, that's what you were saying was like instead of talking about like these white police officers need to come into the community oh, and be a part of the community. That pissed me off. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's what I was going to say was like it's really on the ownership on the community to change that frame of mind. Then. Right. Snitching is not cool. Because everyone thinks the gang mentality mentality applies to everyday citizens. What the what in the hell, man? Since when does gang mentality snitches get stitches, snitches get dealt with? What that that has nothing to do with me. I'm not part of a gang. Yeah. I'm sorry. If I see something and I want my community to be safe, if I want my community to be safe, then you need to understand if you come in my community, we see you. We're going to take a picture. We're going to take a video and your ass is going to get dealt with. But the problem with the black community is everyone thinks snitching is not cool. Right. And for some reason, I don't understand that. You can't go to a white community and do something and think you're going to get away with it. Somebody right. going to see you. And talk about look out the window. You got your nosy yeah. neighbor. Right. <laughs> you look out the damn window, your neighbor looking at you. <laughs> but see, in the black community, oh, I ain't seen nothing. Yeah. Okay, well, if you continue to see nothing... Nothing changes. Nothing changes. Why do you need someone to come outside of your community to help you when it's the community that needs to uplift the community? Yeah. Okay, you go to these other communities, there's a neighborhood watch. Yeah, that's Okay, go to a black community, there's no neighborhood watch. Yeah. And I don't give a damn if it needs to be armed um, neighborhood watch. In some of these black communities, it probably needs to be armed neighborhood watch. Well, you have people starting to do that now because I forget where it was. They were talking about it on CNN. I think it's in Minneapolis right now because of all the stuff going on. Right. Like they have community members that are out like patrolling and kind of like watching the neighborhood and making sure everything's okay. So it's like, why should that not be a part of everyday life? And that's just kind of standard where people are watching out for one another. Yeah, that's what needs to happen to the black community. Okay, enough with this not snitching stuff. If my child, like, it's bad. It's bad to snitch on your child. But if that's what's going to keep someone else safe, why be selfish? Right. And the funny thing is, well, it's not funny, but the crazy thing is white parents do it. Like with a lot of these mass shooting things we're going to talk about. It was the mom that called in for the Indianapolis stuff, right. set telling the police about her son and how he shouldn't have a gun. Yeah. And, you know, I just think it's a cultural change that needs to happen for the black community. I, and, and, you know, I don't feel like people think highly of the black community because we allow so much crap to go on in our own community. I just wish we had a, a higher standard for ourselves. That's what annoys me the most is if I live in an area, I want it to be as safe as possible for children to walk out and not have to see drug dealers and, and, and potentially get shot. I don't want to have to live in fear like that. Right. So you already have to live in fear with potentially being killed by a police officer. Then what? Wh how do you live like that? 
knowing that you can walk outside and die. You know, like I can walk outside. I have a better chance of getting killed in my own community than a, from a police officer. In a lot of cases, that's the case in Chicago yeah, and New York, in some parts of San Francisco, in some Major parts of experience. L.A., in Oakland, like that, that literally is a legit, a legitimate thing where you are more likely to get killed by somebody walking down the street than you are the police officer. But yet, and still, we don't want to change that, right? Like it starts at home, and I know we were talking about, hey, okay, we we upset, and why the fuck? Are the, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to curse. Why the hell were the parents on national TV, right? And no one even says to them. Well, why was he out at two o'clock in the morning? Right. Because you know what's going to happen? They're going to say, oh, well, you're blaming the victim. Well, you damn. In this case, we need to blame the victim. Right. We need to blame, blame the victim and we need to blame the parents. Why the hell was that 13-year-old child out at two, at two o'clock in the morning? And if he was uncontrollable, then you needed to, you needed to have some stuff done. To me, that is a hands-off approach when it comes to parenting. parenting. I'm sorry. I don't feel sorry for a parent. Now you want to come on TV and cry about your child being dead when you should have never given up on him. Right. And you should, he shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. Right. I don't understand that. How? How do we allow these ignorant ass parents to get on TV right. and cry? Why do you have the right to cry when your child die and partly it's your fault? Well, and we talked about that with Duante Wright too. Like the mom's up there crying, but like why are parents not having those conversations of like, you don't run from the police. Like that is just not how you behave. Right. And having some, but see, that's the thing. No one's, no one's forcing them to answer those hard questions. Yeah. And that to me, you need to force parents to answer those hard questions because if you make them and force them a- and to answer those questions, I guarantee you every parent is going to take heave and understand. Nope. I'm going to make sure I talk to my children about not doing this stuff. Right. Just comply. Live. That's the most important thing. Right. Listen, even if I know I didn't do anything wrong, I'm going to comply. Why? I'm going to give the police officer whatever the hell they want to see. Right. Even though I understand I have a right to say no, I'm going to assess the situation and try to figure out, okay, what is this cop? Like, how how is he right now? Yeah. Is he agitated? Is he friendly? You know, a lot of times that plays into how the situation plays out. Yep. Like if if the and it may again, it's not an excuse for bad policing. But I also understand I'm going to assess the situation just like a police officer does. We both have to assess the situation. Right. I'm going to assess to make sure it's safe for me to say, no, I'm not doing that. Right. Because, okay, me resisting this man or woman this police officer, and they have a bad damn day, which is part of the problem. I don't give a damn how, how bad of a day a police officer has. Nothing should result in deadly force. Right. Right? That's unnecessary. I understand that piece. But I have a responsibility to myself. I don't give a damn about nobody else. I don't care what you think of me, but I have a responsibility to myself and my family to come home. So if that means to comply, even because I feel like this officer is agitated, that's what I'm going to do. Right. But, you know, a lot of people don't think that way. And that's what irritates me. Assess the situation, man. If the police is agitated. Don't do anything to make it worse. Right. And you and we already know right now we're in an environment where police are trigger happy. I ain't no way. I'm sorry. 
I ain't let my ego get that far ahead of me. Yeah. I want to go home. I can deal with this in court. Right. And deal with it on the back end. Right. The last thing I want to talk about, because I've been watching the CNN, the people versus the Klan. And mm. so what that was, was a documentary where it was literally back in the early 80s. Um, and there was a guy, Michael Donald, that down in Alabama was basically killed by the KKK and then lynched and hung in this neighborhood. And um, at the end, they were kind of talking about like, it was kind of nice because the mom, she took on the clan and she won her case, both the criminal and the civil suit. So mm -hmm. like it helped to kind of take down the clan. But CNN, you know, I'm not big on conspiracy theories, but it kind of a little bit made sense. Um, they were talking about how like back during this time, the KKK, they could just be out in the public and be doing what they wanted. But after this, it really like put them into the shadows. So they talked about how they had to change their style um, and where they wanted people to infiltrate like different um, places of power. So then they talked about how um, there could be like basically KKK members in the police force. And like the way that this police activity is going nowadays is like, the version of lynching back then is like this police brutality yeah. is like equivalent. I was like, you know, you think of like the mafia, the mafia did the same thing. They infiltrated all of the society to like have mm -hmm. a presence and still be able to do what they were doing. So I'm like, as like what we talk about with police reform of like changing the way people think, what mm -hmm. if that's true? Like what if these like people that have those kind of KKK or like white supremacist mentalities, <laughs> are part of our police force. Okay, okay I'm going to stop you there. Um, <laughs> I just, you as know a black I'm... <laughs> person, I'm going to tell you this. In the 90s, they literally said that's what they were going to do. Yeah. Legitimately said, when, like, when that happened, they literally said it's time for a change in the KKK. Yeah. We need to be lawyers. We need to be doctors. We need to be police officers. We need to be judges. They literally said this shit on TV. Yeah. And nobody did anything about it. Well, and I just feel Why? like it's not Because the culture still hasn't changed in America. Right. That was the problem. Up until this day, no one, everyone's just swept it under the rug. It hasn't been a big deal. Because police brutality has been going on for years. Right. The, you know, the justice for black people in, in, in the judicial system has always been one-sided. Right. But the big thing is nobody gave a damn to call it out when it was happening. Right. Now all of a sudden people care. 30 years later. Right. But they literally said this stuff. There's a documentary that you can go and watch right now on the KKK. And I can't remember the, the leader of the KKK at the time. But he was a well put together, you know, young guy. Yeah. Fairly young guy. But he literally said this. Yep. We need to have a different appearance. Yep. We need to be lawyers. We need to be this. We need to be that. Right. That was their way of telling you they were infiltrating. Infiltra inf uh, yeah, I can't even talk. <laughs> infiltrating. <laughs> infiltrating these sectors. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, that's what I thought about. I'm like, that's even though it's like throwing it out there is kind of a little bit of a conspiracy theory because they were just kind of tossing it out there. It's like. They did, you know, they're obviously not out there in white cloaks and all that stuff. But the issue we have is with the way that some of these people like the um, people in the police force that are taking are being using excessive force inappropriately. Mm -hmm. 
like that it boils down to their way of thinking. So to right. me, it wasn't that far fetched of an idea to throw out there. To me, if CNN said, they said it was a conspiracy theory. Well, they were just, I don't, to me, it's like they threw it in the end of this documentary where they're talking about the KKK in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So it's like, because of everything going on with George Floyd and the police brutality, they th- threw that in at the end to try and make that association. What did they say? They said what? That basically because she took down the KKK with the civil suit because she won like $7 million or something that then they had to change their tactics. And Mm -hmm. basically, you know, all the stuff we see now with the right winged people on the internet and they have their own websites and stuff. The KKK leader like had somebody young come in and kind of help change the way that they were doing things because they Mm -hmm. couldn't have the same stuff anymore. Right. Um, So they just brought up like, you know, they changed their, the way that they were functioning. So, could it not be oh it is what it is yeah oh yes it's definitely uh white supremacist has white supremacy has infiltrated every single part of the government yeah every single part when you think back to like the insurrection and now they have like capital police officers that they're charging Mm -hmm. with aiding these people and things like that so it's like oh let me correct myself it hasn't infiltrated um infiltrated it it's always been there yeah but i feel like it went to a different level there's more people getting into these sectors after that yeah so i just thought that was interesting way they like this was something that happened in the 80s and they tried to make that connection to kind of like our everyday society and yeah well they just want to bring it now they want to pay attention to it right because of and they're, they're paying attention to it because it's the hot topic right now right it's what's given. It's what's given them the views. Right. Do, do I feel like they really care? I don't think they really care. Yeah. I truly don't think any of these media outlets care. They care more about the numbers. Right. Or what's getting views. As long as it's a hot topic, they're gonna talk about it. Right. Because all these other times CNN would talk about something, and then the next week it's off to something else. Right. It's whatever the news cycle is. Right. I don't know. It's all crazy, man. I. This world, I don't know. I see good change coming from all this, but at the same time, like you see, like the hell we're gonna have to go through to get to that point, right? And which I, I wish it was just a, a flick of a switch, and things would change. But there's gonna be there's so much resistance to this stuff. Well, and that's what I think is, will be the interesting piece is like you know in our minds, I think we've tried to convince ourselves that we're we're a different society than the 1960s, but. How much are we really different Not, from that? I don't think we're going to be a different society until all these people die out, to yeah. be honest. And it's not ingrained in the next generation. Right. All right. Well, we talked for a long time about that. Um, our next topic is voting rights, which is another big thing after the 2020 election and um, the way that Trump tried to talk about the voter fraud and uh-huh. how that's the reason why he lost the election. So the biggest one that has been talked about recently is Georgia and everything mm. that the governor put in place to um, what a lot of people are saying impact voting um, rights. So kind of the part of the ballot was that they created these special ballots um, for nonpartisan elections. They're print, being printed on security, special security paper. Mm. Um, they changed the cutoff um, to 11 days before primary for um, mail-in ballot applications. Um, they have different deadlines 
for absentee ballots. And then um, the biggest thing is the voter ID. Um, so you have to have either a driver's license, an ID card, some form of like showing that you are who you are to be able to ballot, uh, right. to vote. And then there's like little things like they can't, you can't give like water or snacks because that's considered a gift to people voting. <laughs> so people are all up in arms like, you're going to deny someone giving my grandma water while they're waiting hours in the voting line. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is, they can do self-service still. So how hard is it to have like a snack, some kind of vending machine or whatever for people while they're waiting where they can get it themselves? Yeah. But, I feel like this is to me is bull crap. <clears throat> like <laughs> I just some of that stuff is petty. Yeah. Like not being able to give somebody a water standing in line is petty. Right. I get that. That's petty as hell. Yeah. Okay, but the voter ID makes sense. Right. What American doesn't have a voter ID? Yeah. Who doesn't have a driver's license or an ID? And who doesn't have the capacity to go get one? Right. When is the next election? 2024 midterms are 2022 right okay not a lot of people vote in midterms right okay if you want to vote in the next presidential election you've got four years you got four years to get a, a driver's license an id and this notion that black people like that's what it annoys me the most they want to put it back on the black people they want black people to be the front man of this fight when this ain't nothing about black people and excuse my the way i'm talking but this has nothing to do with black people yeah they want it to appear like it is because of the history behind suppression right. of the vote for black people. Right. That's what they want. Because that's what you hear about is, oh, now these congregations, we can't go vote on Sundays because they're taking our Sunday voting away. Crap. What, what, what's wrong with Saturday? Right. So you tell me your church don't operate on Saturday. Right. I've been to church and I know they operate on Tuesday, Thursday, sometimes on Saturday and Sunday. Right. Let's not forget church is a business. Right. <laughs> as much as we want to put put church in this high regard, there's too many mega churches with millionaire pastors. Right. Come on now. No, I'm not that stupid. Making more so money. So what than you athletes. telling me, you can't adjust. All of this is about adjusting, right. in my opinion. Is it crazy about some of the rules? Yes. Voter ID, I agree with, because I'm gonna get back to my topic, my my the whole point, point. here was who the hell as an American, again, American citizen can't. does not have an ID. Right. You can't function in this society without an ID. Right. Huh? How do you get alcohol? You right. have an ID. How do you get a job? You have to say, you have to show you are who you are. Right. How do you get government assistance? You have to show you are who you are. Right. So even saying that these people that are low income don't have a way to get an ID is bull crap. And that's why I don't I don't know if that's really their argument. But to me, it's annoying yeah. to say that this supp suppresses black people. It does not. Because if you're too stupid to adjust. to adjust, that's your fault. Right. You know the rules. Right. Rules change all the time. Right. It's your job to know the rules and a plan accordingly to adjust. And my thing is, like, if this is, like, from the right conservative side, what right. it's going to take to make them feel more comfortable that the results are what they are, then if you win, then they can't say nothing because right. they put the stuff in place to make it a secure election. And if we still win, then they can't complain about it. Right. And again, I'm not a, de oh, I didn't say again, but I'm not a, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm an independent. Yeah. 
I don't give a damn about joining any of the parties. But again, it comes down to adjusting, you know. Yeah. And if they decide to change it again, guess who faults it? Guess who fault it is? It's yours. For not the voter. The right exactly. Vote the right people in. How many times do people have to say one of the the actual most important election you can ever vote in? Local government. Yep. Why? How many times do we have to say this? Right. For people. Why do you not? Say. Yeah. Take it seriously. Right. Midterms elections are serious. Right. Because that's going to have the most impact on your daily right. lives. So knowing this, put the right people in place. If you can vote this president in in Georgia, why the hell can you not vote all your local officials in that align with your views? Right. Like, that's my problem I'm having. None of this stuff, to me, is just like some overwhelming, oh, my God, this is voter suppression. No, what this is is trying to get the illegal immigrants from not to, to keep, keep them from voting. Right. And I can agree with that. There are a lot of illegal immigrants that are not documented voting. And, I, and people don't want to understand that's what this is about. Right. But mainstream media will make it about black people. Why? Because that's what's going to, that's what's going to perk up a lot of people's ears. And get ears. the emotional reaction right. out of people. Yeah. But the problem is where well, you're going to lose a lot of people if you say, well, this is about the illegal immigrants having the right to vote. How? Right. What the hell right, what right do you have to vote when you're an illegal immigrant? Yeah. Go through the process of becoming a citizen. The American presidential office in any legal or I say, um, what do you call these people? Um, representatives. Representatives are voted on by the people. Right. Citizens of the United States. If that's the case, why don't we let Russia come and vote? <laughs> Since huh? they already impacted right. our elections. Let's, let's, <laughs> I don't understand this. What's the big deal? Yeah. The whole process does need to be buttoned up to when we, we make sure we don't allow more you voting more than once, which a voter ID would solve that problem. Because guess what? If I have your driver's license or your social security number saying that you've already voted, uh, excuse me, why are you voting again? Right. Then we need to prosecute you for, for voter fraud. Yeah. That's what this is. And that's what I see. Yeah. I see, yes, there's some petty stuff going on in this voter um, new voting laws. There's some petty stuff. Yeah. Did you have to take away a Sunday? Not really. Right. I don't quite understand that piece. Why would you have to do that? Right. That makes no sense. Because if you're smart enough as, I say, a black community or a Latino community or any community, it affects everybody. Right. To adjust. Do, you, do we think black people are the only people, people? that vote on Sundays? Exactly. <laughs> that don't make sense. Yeah. Do we think the black church is the only one gathering the elderly and say, hey, let's go vote as a as a congregation. Right. I'm I promise you that's not it. Right. This affects white communities too. Right. And that's what I don't understand. Some of these people only want to see it from one side. But it affects more than the black community when people voting on Sunday. Right. And you have the church van picking people up. Right. Come on, that doesn't make sense. Well and they just want to push their perspective. They do. And that's what's the most annoying part about it. They see what they want to see, hear what they want to hear. Let's just make the election fair. Right. Do I do I think there was massive voter fraud? I don't know. I don't think any of us know. What we're doing is taking the word of the media. Right. Okay, we all know the media ain't always what it says it is. Right. 
and, and that's the big thing. We're supposed to say this election was fair and square because the media says it was. Okay? Because we can't find widespread voter fraud. But if you don't know where the hell to look, and if you have nowhere to track voter, or voter fraud because no one has an ID, right? you can vote. It doesn't matter because your name's not on the ballot. Yeah. So, obviously, I can say there's no voter fraud. Yeah. If there's no way to find it. To prove it, yeah. That's the stupidest thing I've seen. Put processes in place. Voters, voter IDs will put a process in place to catch voter fraud. That's the goal. Everyone should be on board with that. Right. I don't understand. Now, okay, when we talk about the 50s and 60s and maybe some parts of the 70s and 80s, where you still had some of these elderly people that were brought over th during slavery mm -hmm. or, you know, were byproducts of slavery that's still close to that era. Couldn't prove. You, a lot of these people couldn't prove who they were. Yeah. Those, a lot of those people are not here anymore. Yeah. So everyone, literally everyone that is an American citizen now should have the ability to get an ID. Yep. That's my thing. And I know it's not just about the ID, but my, my thing to anyone that says something, oh, this is suppression, adapt. Adjust. Adjust. If I can't vote on Sunday, I'm going to go on Saturday. Right, because that's your constitutional right is to be able to vote right. as a citizen. And I mean, listen. I mean, so, and then the mail-in voting went down. It, it They took, what, three, four days away? How many yeah. days? Um, I, I think it's down to like 11 or something. Yeah. Um, Versus what? I think it was like 17 or something. That okay. okay, but to me, I'm like, okay, what's the big deal? Adjust. Go earlier. Ask for requests early. And I, like, I thought the interesting thing was the governor came on, and I haven't, like, researched this to know if it's true, but he brought up a good point that New York has fewer mail-in, like, a cut earlier cutoff right. or, like, fewer days. So it's like... Yes, they took days away, but it's still more than other places have available. So it's like, it's a people present the perspective that they want. To yes, sell. they do. Why? Because they want illegal immigrants to vote. That's the key. They want the illegal immigrant to vote. Because I don't feel like Democrats have the votes right now. Yeah. That is my honest opinion. They've lost me. The only reason I voted for Biden, Biden is because Trump was crazy. Okay, it wasn't because I didn't like Trump and the things that he did. Yeah. It's just the things that he said. Right. That was it. I, like, a lot of the things that he actually did were great. Yeah. From a, especially a business and, a like, business, a financial standpoint, even to get the country back on track. I think he did a wonderful job. Yeah. But the problem with Trump, he couldn't get out of his own way. Yeah. You have to stop talking so much. If he runs again, I legitimately think he'll win. Yeah. Unless unless Biden adopts a lot of Trump's policies, which it does appear he's keeping some. He's up. keeping a quite of a lot. Yeah. And that's why CNN you see them calling out about the um what does he call it the refugees and all this stuff. Yep. Like okay. We're in a pandemic first of all. Right. Well, I don't quite understand what we talking about refugees. When we're trying to keep people safe. Right. Why crowd our country even more right. than... That makes no sense. Yeah. Let, let's talk about refugees and immigration when we get a handle on this pandemic. Yep. 
we're not we ain't got a handle on it yet right we're not in control just yet but we're starting to get control of it but we're not to the point where it can't be another outbreak right where it's like okay we're done with this yeah so i don't know i feel like sometimes the media wants to run run the country which they try they do try so you know the media is the most powerful thing in the world they can they can skew perspectives in a heartbeat well, talking about that, we can transition to our last topic um, is all of the mass shootings. So the thing that they've been talking about on CNN is I think within the last month, there's been like 50 mass shootings. Mm. And one of the things that I found interesting, so the way that CNN, and I don't know if this is the way, I don't think there's a national standard on how you define a mass shooting, um, mm. but CNN defines it as more than four people killed, injured, or wounded. Right which we we talked about seems kind of like a low number when you're talking about like mass casualty. Right. Um, but the way that this has come up politically is around all the gun reform and changing legislation around that. And so I, I think at least what we've talked about is from a political perspective, everybody's like, oh, they're trying to take your guns away or, oh, nobody needs to have all these guns. And it's like complete extremes. But there's really like a common middle ground that I think everybody would agree on. And from the polls and stuff I've seen them show on TV, it seems like there is consensus that like at least basic background checks and doing some of the simple stuff. Like I didn't realize you could go and buy like these gun kits basically that don't have a serial number and aren't traceable. And you can put a gun together in like 30 minutes Oh, I didn't and know that. like not be able to trace it or do anything with it. Um, and there's no legislation around that. So to me, that's like simple stuff that you're not talking about taking people's guns away. You're talking about just being able to trace it and yeah. make sure that it's in right people's hands. I don't, that, yeah, that's a, this is a tricky subject, tricky topic. I don't believe in taking the people's guns away. Yeah. I don't because we own a gun. Yeah. But <clears throat> I feel like there, like you said, there should be some sensible things that need to be taking place. Yeah. Do I feel like there, there needs to be a yearly health screen, not health screening, but there needs to be some type of mental health being that mental health is taken, like is a big factor in a lot of these. Yeah. Like I'm starting to think, okay, what is some, what is it? Japan or China? I don't, I can't remember which one it is. Yeah. But there's like, what we saw there was a big thick book that you had to go through before you could own a gun. Yeah. Now I'm not saying we have to do all that, but what I'm saying is there needs to be a class there needs to be some type of safety training. There needs to be a yearly or uh, a bi-yearly um, evaluation. Right. Like imagine all the jobs that we can create. I'm let's not take people guns. Let's stupid. I'm not. I don't want to take anyone's gun away. Right. But there has to be some types of checks and balances here, to where we have to be able to establish you're still fit to own a gun. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, but to a lot of these crazy gun owners, that's too much. Right. And to me, that's not fair. But the interesting thing was they were just showing on or talked about, I think it was on CNN yesterday, the guy that just did the shooting in um, Indianapolis. Uh -huh. um, he had been flagged originally, um, but and then his mom called in and said, so he got the gun legally first. He passed the background check and yeah. all of that stuff. And then his mom became concerned and was the one that called in the like tip to the police officer, like, hey, he shouldn't have a gun. And so I can't remember if they took that gun away. And, he's, and then he's yeah. got like two more. And he legally, if I'm not mistaken, he potentially legally got more. More after that. Yeah. So they were talking about like 
even though he legally got it, he still, even though there was concern that like whatever system they have in place didn't work. Right. Well, because there is no system. That's true. <laughs> it, you can't judge mental health. From a computer. Right. So someone has to speak up and say, hey, I don't know if, if my nephew, I don't know if my daughter, son, father, husband, wife should own a gun right now. Yeah. Right. I, at some point we have, to, again, we have to put responsibility on the family. Right. For reporting. Right. And then I feel like, okay, if it's been reported and there's good reason to justify, you know, the call or the uh, taking away of the gun, I don't feel like you should ever own a gun again. Yeah. If you show one sign of mental instability, who knows if it's going to flare up again? Right. And, and I think you that's just happen to have part. that gun. What? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say that's the hard part because like for this guy in Indianapolis, like that's what the state government was saying was like they didn't have enough just like the mom calling in a tip wasn't right. enough to like justify a warrant to go in and take his gun and mm -hmm. stuff like that so it's like how is the system structured where like that's you know you walk that fine line of being legal it's gonna be hard i don't think i don't know if you can yeah like that's the tough part without infringing on someone's constitutional rights mm -hmm. that's very hard yeah very very hard to do you know so i don't know we're but like i think that's going to be the challenging piece but there's still stuff like you can go to a gun show and not need they don't have to do the background check right yeah. away like to me that's easy stuff that like nobody's yeah. even debating I, yeah about. i agree we should do the easy stuff yeah the about being more strategic about the background should be a, a no-brainer right now the other stuff is i don't know how do you work around that stuff yeah. again without getting the constitution involved right but background should be a no-brainer i don't quite understand that you know but again what good is a background to be honest because it captures one point in time and right there has to be mental evaluations for everybody that own a gun right period just like just like you have an evaluation of your eyesight for your and driver's your, license and your and your knowledge base of the fundamentals of driving happens in what north carolina every eight years in california every four years now mm -hmm. I, I don't i i don't i don't understand a car is a deadly object right a gun is a deadly object there needs to be some type of evaluation every three to four years yeah. every year it doesn't matter i don't think you should be able to do it every year because that might that's just too much yeah that's a lot of work on uh government agency right but if we could do it every four years or five or six years yeah you just hey going through the mental health checks and all this other stuff to make sure you're capable and understand what this gun can do right and you're not showing any instability in mental health uh, we should try i don't know and that's what i think is the sad part is like you have the politicians getting in the way of this like i feel like most Americans like feel that way. Right. And like we've talked about, like literally Columbine happened when we were in middle school or high school and right. like nothing has happened since that time. And like, we've just grown accustomed to that being part of our society. And like, even the news outlets are like, this is literally an American problem. Yeah. Like, no other country really has these issues the same way that we do. And that's the sad part that politics gets in the way of. That's true. Yeah. Us. We, yeah, it's, 
We love guns. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's that's a hard topic because there's so many things you can say about it, and so many ways you can think you can fix things, but until you actually do it, you don't know the downstream effects. Yeah, you don't. You don't know it. I, if you try to take, I, here's what I believe: if you try to take guns away from a certain sector or a certain <laughs> population, <laughs> you're gonna have another insurrection. Yeah, you're gonna have a civil war. Yeah. You will legitimately have a civil war. Yeah. And that's, you know, I I think in the government, that's the fine line you walk. Right. I don't think you're ever taking guns away from American people. No. There will be hell to pay. But I think the debate is what restrictions should be around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the mental health thing has to, the mental health thing has to come in big time now. And to me, too, I know you disagree somewhat with this, but like the assault weapons, like, I get being a gun fanatic and liking guns and wanting to have guns, but there's no reason that even when you're just going and shooting in your backyard or going to the shooting range, that you need something that can put out a hundred bullets in a couple of minutes. Yeah, but I I don't know. I can see both sides of that, but again, it's not the gun. That's the problem. It's It's the people, the person using the person. Yeah. So, you know, that's just like if there's a mass, we didn't have guns. We had mass stabbings. Yeah. Then all of a sudden we want to ban knives, knives over a certain length, which I mean, there are certain bans. I think now over having swords in open. I don't know. I don't remember. I think it's different from state to state, but we will be having the same conversation. Yeah. You it's know, the person using it. It's the mental aspect of it that we need to figure out. Yeah. It's not the gun. That's just a tool. It's a tool. Right. Right. There's just like weapons. if I just like, you know, we're not talking about, oh, we shouldn't let half the population drive. There's plenty of people that have caused mass damage driving into crowds. <laughs> right. Have killed more than four people. Right. From an accident. <laughs> so we're not. Oh, no. Oh, he had a mental problem. We don't. We, he shouldn't be. Dri-. We're not talking like that. Yeah. It's because it's a gun. Yeah. If it was a knife, it would be no different. That's true. So, again. The problem is we don't have any checks on mental health. Yeah. That's the key. Not the gun. Not restricting. I mean, not saying you can't have a gun because I don't think you should have one. Okay. It needs to have some mental issue going on here. Like mental background checks. A mental evaluation. Again, every couple years. Right. To make sure you're still. Okay. You shouldn't be taken off no watch list. If you put on a watch list. For owning, you know, for a mental health and you own guns, there should be a bare minimum of four to five years yeah. that you stay on this list. Because you to where know what can happen. We might give you your guns back, but you, we're watching. Yeah. Or maybe you can't own guns for four years. I don't know. You know, and then you have to go through more mental evaluations to say, yes, okay, you're able to own. A, I don't know what the answer is, but it's not the gun. It's not the problem of owning a gun. It's the mental health aspect of it. That's what we need to address. Only we ruled the world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've talked a lot today um, about a lot of serious topics. So thank you, everybody, for joining us for our second episode. We look forward and hopefully you come back and listen to our next one. Peace.